good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there, and welcome to this episode number 294, aka 294 of the Material Podcast. I am Andy Anatko. And I'm Florence Ion. Hi, Florence, Andy. I, I, I understand, before, we, before we even get going, I understand there is a resolution to your pain, or at least to one. There's a lot of pain in 2020, 2021. I was going to say... Yeah, I just I wanted to update everybody because last week I was talking about my issues with the Chromecast with Google TV. And it turns out that now they're pushing through an update because it was a known issue. Um, After I tweeted last week, a bunch of people followed up, uh, including Dan Seifert from The Verge. (laughs) The same problem (laughs) happened to him. So it's been a thing that's been going on. And then over the weekend, I saw that Google was going to push out a software update. So good news for anybody who is dealing with the weird like factory reset bootloader screen that comes on. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's been, it's interesting when this happens because in the back of my mind, I think to myself, well, that's just Android. But the thing is, I'm like, I'm okay with that. That's what I signed up for a long time ago when I signed up for Android. A lot of people, I I don't know that they, they signed that contract. <laughs> The way that I did, you know, I've just sort of been tenured into putting up with it versus a newcomer might just say, this is, uh, this is stupid. I'm going to get an Apple TV. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just yeah. what, one, <laughs> of the, one of the differences between the way that Apple makes stuff and the way almost everybody else does, like Google included, is that I don't think people appreciate just how often an Apple product, an, an Apple TV crashes the difference is that it all you see is like a little blip and then the Apple logo <laughs> and then like you're back. Whereas Android maybe philosophically says, ooh, I should, I should take you right to the bootloader screen so you could like select diagnostic options, which is great. I mean, it's great. If you're people like us, it's, it's not great. great. It's well, not no, it's, great it's, if you're it's on. To, it's great to feel as though you have control over things, but nonetheless, it is. But you don't have control on the true. Google TV with Chromecast because the remote, and I said this last night all about Android as uh, an after after the fact, the remote, because it is paired with infrared, it's controlling the volume of the TV, not the volume buttons that you would need right. to scroll through the menu to do what you need to do. That was sort of the, oh my God, are you kidding me effect? Like when I realized that when I was trying to like fix it myself, the you know, the first way that I instinctually knew how from being on this platform for so long, it's just been, it's really wild having, <laughs> it's wild having a relationship with the platform this long. Yeah. Because, again, inherently, I knew how to fix it. I was like, oh, you silly people. <laughs> like, you silly platform. This is just you being you. Uh, and then I realized this 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 is very scary for somebody else. True. And also, it's a it's a much bigger problem or it's it'll create much more anger. OK, going for it. Would, it creates much more anger in me than almost any other sort of like tech related screw up because there are there are days where i'm i when i i don't say i hit the ground running because i don't even have time to get out of bed before i start working where i'll i'll tell i'll check my mail wake up at like you know eight oh something check my mail 30 seconds after that find there's something that has to be handled exactly at that moment then i can't get out of bed until that's been done the thing that i was going to handle as soon as like i was got breakfast shower and shave now that's being done and that sort of thing is happening all the way until like 11 at night Mm -hmm. but i do have 30 minutes that i have absolutely marked out for lunch sometime between noon and two don't care what's going on this is such a stressful day i'm gonna have 30 minutes of peace where i don't even think about it and i have had those times where i'm sitting down i've got my sandwich i've got my soda i've got some chips yes i even dug out some chips because i was in such a bad mood and netflix doesn't connect to anything and, I, and the the episode of the show that i've been waiting for this moment doesn't work and i'm thinking even as i'm fixing it's very I'm thinking, important when you're freelancing by the way that you have that afternoon like entertainment you know i a podcast once in a while does the deed if you're doing like quote unquote lab work is what i like to call <laughs> when you know i'm tinkering with things but you really like having that lunch time for me it's lunch with bravo that's that's what I do. Um, and now it's become a family affair since lockdown. But that's not here or there. Continue, please. 
Yeah. And that's, but, and that's, but I think that's kind of universal. People don't, when people sit down and pick up a remote control, like since, since we had grasping software inside our heads, we've reached that stage of like infant development. We are used to, we pick up a, t- a remote, we press a button, TV comes on, entertainment commences. My daughter not, knows it. She yeah, knows it. Yeah. It's, it, you're not, you're not, you, you haven't, I haven't been trained like I've been trained, like with my desktop computers, that there might be a debugging session before you get to do the thing you sat down to do. And when you sat down specifically to relax and not have to solve problems, that's a big thumb in the eye. So, yes. Okay, so this might be a little much. Uh, so I'm going to try and 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 uh, hide some parts of this so no, you know, nobody can tell who I'm talking about. But... Uh, my daughter was playing with the remote the other day for the Chromecast, the Google TV, the Chromecast of Google TV. I feel like I have to say the whole dang name. But anyway, the Chromecast. OK, you know which one I'm talking about, the one, the remote. And she accidentally put it on one of the streaming services that we share with a bunch of other people that has profiles. And she went into somebody we didn't know's profile. There's some very interesting Definitely not baby safe titles that were cropping cropping up on the screen. Oh dear, it was funny. Well, <laughs> it was it was funny. We, anyway, we, we thought that, that was talk that was, was my coming story. In about twelve or thirteen years. <laughs> Turns out we're having it on the first birthday. Okay, never never I too mean, soon. I mean, she's got to know soon be- enough. First birthday. How did she, mommy? How did I get here? Yeah, goo goo gaga. Well, a year ago. <laughs> Mommy was in excruciating pain. Anyway, moving (laughs) on. Andy, you showed me earlier today links to these Nest mini stands on Amazon, which sent me down a weird little rabbit hole, which I don't appreciate. (laughs) Yeah, but I do appreciate it, but I don't appreciate it because then I ended up finding... Well, anyway, go ahead and tell. No, no, yeah. I just, I, I, uh, little details of trying to like solve little problems in my office. One of which being, I want like good dedicated speakers for, I, I have good speakers on my, uh, my, the big desk for my big project desk. I'm now sitting at the little desk that I usually use like for streaming and sometimes for little things. I don't have a speaker for that. And uh, I realized, oh, wait a minute, you, you have all of these like superfluous like Google, the Google Home mini speakers. You can like define them as a speaker pair and then have like nice little compact stereo speakers. And so that got me down to looking at Amazon for these little like third parties make these stands for them. So that, like they stand upright on your desk instead of like being a blister bulging out of your desktop. And this also so bought a couple of those solved that problem, but also realized that oh look they have one that like makes it look like an alarm clock, and oh look they've got one that like looks like a Pokemon, and it after that it it became difficult to like stop buying. I don't know I'm ten dollar pieces of Chinese plastic. About to buy this unique flower stand, Google Home Mini changes into a potted plant. Let's make your speaker unique <laughs> and stylish. This could be pretty cute, but I I don't know if I really want to deal with a mini anymore because I've been upgrading what previously were. The minis now are like the, oh, just put that one in the bathroom near where the baby splashes because who cares? We'll just put another one if she like drowns it. That's literally what's happening to the bathroom speaker right now. That's yeah. in her bathroom. It's just getting it gets splashed. <laughs> well, see, there, there have been so as Google has been discontinuing initial their initial like models of of speakers, and I've been over the years picking up some, and also when the Google Home Max was all the way down to 150 bucks, I had to pick up one of those, and so I've been redeploying <laughs> speakers throughout the house. And so that that means mm-hmm. that instead of having a speaker pair of Google Home Max speakers, now I have that as the there is going to be one big, huge, boomy speaker in every major section of the house for multi-room. The, so what? Do, so now what do I do with like the air freshener sized ones? Well, that's going to be the ones where the microphones are turned on and I'm actually using those for voice commands. So there's got to be one in the bathroom. There's got to be one in the living room, in the bathroom for like music while I'm like getting ready for to, to leave the house and stuff like that. But I do have, and I have, okay, so I Google home mini. I need one just for like the nightstand for waking up and you know, what's the weather right now, but that's still 
as we have covered before, there was a time where if you bought a, a pack of gum and instead of buying the pack that had 10 sticks, you bought the pack with 12 sticks. You also got a free Google Nest Home Mini. And as a result of that, I seem to have like four or five of these things that need to find homes. Uh, and I decide, oh, wow, that's right. It's pair, they, they sound nice. Compact speaker pairs for wireless. Great, great, great. Can use that. So that's so that's where I am. I it is it is a there there is going to become a problem where I have so many of these speakers that I could have them in every nook and cranny of the house, which would probably please our corporate overlords at Google uh, very very much. But the problem is I do have like the, the microphones turned off tactically almost everywhere. That was that for me was the big benefit of having many of these uh, uh, extra Google home speakers because most of them are just speakers. The, the, the microphones are turned mm-hmm. off. The only place the microphones are turned on are where I'm very, very close to someplace where I tend mm-hmm. to be doing voice commands a lot anywhere, like next to the sofa, next to the, uh, next to the bed, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm, ugh, you know what? I, they're like tribbles. They, they just sprouted <laughs> everywhere and, now they're I have like five of them in a box. But thankfully people in my life want them. So There you go. <laughs> they, they they want tight they want increased res- legislative responsibility and regulation upon the power that these trillion dollar tech companies have over our lives. And also we have a friend that's a tech reporter and they tend to have lots of extra like Google microphone gadgets. Could we have some for free for our apartments and houses? And well, for our because dogs? I will never turn down anything free. Okay. You want to give me a free pen? You want to give me a free poster? Absolutely. I'll take it. The poster could be used as wrapping paper or to fill in, you know, <laughs> line a bird's cage if I'm not interested in it, et cetera. Um, you know, there was some other uh, kind of subtle big news this week, Andy which is that uh, I'm starting to get messages from friends telling me they're getting their sad, sad emails about Google Play Music officially being donezo by the end of this month. Yeah, that that is depressing because it reminds you that Google Play Music existed and that it, a sad part of your life uh, that you thought had put behind you, you're reminded of, and that would kind of like take the, that, that would dampen my Elon. Because as we have another recurring topic, how much and how badly Google Play Music absolutely sucked. But uh, for those of us who did put some content onto the service or bought stuff through the Play Store on it, <sighs> yeah, uh, we do. you have until t- the February 24th to make sure that whatever it is that you have uploaded or bought through Google Play Music, not Yahoo Music, not YouTube Music, but Google Play Music, make sure you download it or else it'll be gone forever because it's gone. It's going to the land of ghosts and winds on the 24th. And all you got to do is go to myaccount.google.com, which is your dashboard for your Google account. Uh, hit the data and personalization section, and you can just click a button to say, please download everything that I've given you in this category. And within a short period of time, we'll be presented with a download link, which you can grab everything. So yeah, I did that uh, several months ago um, because <laughs> remember you, there, there, are, there are some, it was weird because the there are a lot of there was a lot of stuff on Google Play Music the Google Play Music library that was available for purchase that I've never seen available for purchase anywhere else digitally. I've heard the same thing from people different spanning genres, by the way, not just right. like one particular genre. And it just makes me think about how sad it is when this happens to us. We're going to talk about this more, I think, throughout this podcast today in particular, just because of what we've got on the notes are very related to just the way that Google sort of evolved over over the last decade. Um, And Google Play Music is very much a relic of that beginning time. And I'm sad to see it go, but I'm very, very curious to see what is next. I'm not talking about YouTube music. Right. Yeah, it's that, that, that's a that's a topic for an hour long conversation on another podcast, possibly. But it's it does get tough. The the problems with t- terrestrial radio in the old days is that if you don't if if a record is not being backed by a huge record company, it doesn't get played. And if it doesn't get played, no one finds out about it. And so these artists can't become self sufficient artists. And it's kind of similar. You have all a lot of these. Maybe not necessarily up and coming bands, but there are a couple of albums that I'm so glad I was able to find them uh, on uh, Google Play Music. Some of them are old soundtracks. Some of them are uh, like soul records from like the 70s. And 
I discovered them chiefly because I was on some sort of message board and someone mentioned, oh, well, I have this I have this LP and it's one of my favorites. And that's the only place I couldn't find it on CD. Uh, I couldn't couldn't find don't want to buy it on LP because it's not convenient for me. And the the only store that had it was Google Play Music. And it was a really, really shaggy sort of upload. But but it did. <laughs> it was a download. And so now the next time somebody recommends if I recommend this album to someone They'll say, oh, well, that's great. Where can I get it? Uh, you might have to download it illegally because. <laughs> if because- even because, uh, you know what? It's not easy to find. The more and more uh, nuanced music genres get, the harder it is to find what you want to find. Yeah. And it's it's this weird perpetual cycle, right? Because. You go to Spotify, you sign up for something like that. The algorithm takes you down all these different pathways. You discover all sorts of music. This is what happened to me since I joined Spotify in 2011. But then it gets to the point where it's like, I can't really join any channels for these groups and these musicians that I listen to outside of the streaming services. And that is really frustrating. Um, it takes away that sort of ability to... Uh, it it's so interesting. I uh, it's interesting to us. I would love to find a way to make this interesting for other people. Just about the way that our streaming music, the the consumption, and how Google Play Music really is like a it's it's a sign of that. I think yeah, a sign, not even a sign. Which what's a better word for that? Um, it's a uh, harbinger. Yeah. We shall take a break and let's find out exactly how much money and how well off uh, the company of Alphabet is. And we'll do that right after we make some money for ourselves. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if customers can click that buy now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that's no good. You need a system. You need something to tell you everything is running smoothly on your site. And more importantly, when it's not, you need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages a day. Pingdom helps keep your sites and the sites that you love online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need alerts about any critical website issues. They'll let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL you want to monitor, and they will take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use our code MATERIAL at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. Well, good news. They made enough money at Alphabet with all of its divisions to keep the lights on for another year. So those of you who bought season passes to the no, that's a, I, I'm concerned about that for a lot of my local restaurants because I have been buying like tell you what, why don't I prepay for all my pizzas for the next six months in advance if that would help. But anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Don't worry about it. Uh, the lights, uh, they, 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 they're the electric blankets are going to continue to work. The fridge is still going to be stocked with a variety of artisanal well waters at Google and at, and at YouTube. Uh, fourth quarter results uh, were announced along with the results of uh, the entire 2020 financial year, and they were better than expected. The now there's the whenever I look at these quarterlies, uh, these analyst calls, there I always look at it in two ways. One very very passing look at what the money stuff was mm-hmm. and that's what mm-hmm. uh, what paragraph the uh, alphabet decided to put in the press release that accompanied the report mm-hmm. uh, because i'm not terribly interested i'm not i'm not neither interested nor qualified to talk much about the business side of things what i love about it is that uh, it's a statement and a q and a session they're doing live with analysts and it is uh, directed towards analysts and investors but it's a one time a year Oh, excuse me. It's one of the f- a few times a year when uh, the CEO and other senior executives are saying things where if they say anything that is 
a lie or a mistruth or not backed up by fact, there is actual legal consequences. They can't just simply say, oh, well, of course, when I said that we're going to be selling the company at 420 a share, it was just a merely a merely a, a puckish jest. It's like, no, you wind up in court for that. So it's 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 often like I, I tend to approach these like a keynote address at a conference or at a product rollout. They know that everybody is watching. So it's kind of significant because they will take this time to sort of talk about the company in general, optimistically, of course, but still an interesting environment. So the boring financial stuff, they reported, or they were uh, better than expected for the results in the fourth quarter. Uh, analysts were expecting $15.90 per share. They achieved $22.30. Good for them. Uh, the statement on the paper from uh, Ruth Parat, the CFO of Google and Alphabet, I'm going to quote here, our strong fourth quarter performance with revenues of $56.9 billion was driven by search and YouTube as consumer and business activity recovered from earlier in the year. Google Cloud revenues were $13.1 billion for 2020 with significant ongoing momentum, and we remain focused on delivering value across the growth opportunities we see. So we can dispense with that mostly, but reading this document and reading the transcript of uh, the Q&A that followed, obviously they're really pushing forward on when they want people to think about the success of the company, they really want to hitch their reputation to cloud services Hmm. because this kept coming up over and over again, even though they lost over a billion dollars last year. We'll get into detail in a moment by that. Um, Matter of fact, they feel so strongly about the cloud as uh, cloud computing as the part of the future of the company that this was the first quarter in which they broke that business out into separate results. So instead of being part of a category and having to sort of guess as to how different uh, uh, products and features and services within this category did no they're going to give you the numbers quarter by quarter on just cloud computing um they uh there was no mention of hardware during the call which i found interesting so mm-hmm. no talk about how well uh, their plans for nest or how well that's doing they did mention uh the acquisition of fitbit there was a little nod and a little welcome to the fold welcome to the family hope you stay uh it was mostly mostly about cloud and advertising uh, with the key messages being that the cloud is taking off enormously and that advertising is rebounding very, very well after the slump uh, that they got hit with in the industry after COVID. Uh, By the so, way, so are podcasts. Yes. Just, which, <laughs> happy to have you here, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Continue, Andy. <laughs> there were... There were a couple. There were a couple of months where you know I get I get the <laughs> I get the, the oh, notice that you know certain that uh, uh, the uh, the podcast money has been paused from my PayPal account. Like oh, I'm used to getting like the small amount and then the large amount, but I already got the oh, so they're both going to be small now. Okay, but that that's rebounding. That thank you very much. Thank you for for, for listening. Thank you, thank you, uh, everybody across the relay.fm mighty family. Um, <laughs> So uh, three different executives were speaking. Uh, all of them spoke, and then there was a Q&A. First up where it was Sundar Pichai. Uh, he made three call-outs. Uh, first, talking about the uh, the company's COVID-19 response, not just simple things like, hey, we've added thing- features to our maps to let people find mm-hmm. out where vaccines are, but also uh, how Google Cloud yeah. – uh, uh, vaccine impact platform was uh, aiding in vaccine distribution and forecasting. So the majesty Google Cloud. <laughs> Um, also that they've been giving ad grants to uh, the Center for Disease Control and the World Health Organization to prevent, yes, yes, promote yes, vaccine education. Yes, no, yes. No, no, no numbers on how much that may have offset the disinformation that the YouTube platform has been exploited to, uh, to prevent. Uh, grants to organizations that are addressing racial and geographic disparities in vaccination access, that sort of thing. So number one, good, fine, we're all that's on our mind. So let's get that out there. You know what? Uh, this this is what Pachai does so well. He does so good at just going in and going. Here's the wonderful things that we've done. Yes. <laughs> look look at all the wonderful ways that we've helped humanity. Yep. By putting a pin on a map. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. It's a hell. <laughs> Well, did, did I mention that, like, if it's your well, okay, birthday, I didn't that, put that a pin, pin has on a map. birthday you're right. hat on it? There you go. You're right. You're right. I didn't put the pin on the map, so who am I? Uh, the second <laughs> uh, second thing he talked about was a, a very tactical sort of choice. Yes. Uh, shout out to the News Showcase product. This is their 
a global answer to, but Google is stealing our news and not paying us for it. That's why we're going to force them to be regulated into not being able to blah, blah, blah. Uh, So he referred to that as a $1 billion investment in partnerships with over 450 news publishers worldwide, singling out the deal they made with uh, Reuters Worldwide and a particularly big French French publisher. Um, They... A little bit mention of Google Pay, uh, but then he went to talk about uh, uh, their cloud services in detail, singling out a growth of 47% year over year, saying that uh, deals that they've made regarding Google Cloud that were worth over $250 million, the number of those deals more than tripled in 2020 and included several billion dollar deals. He went out to say, oh, and those let's talk about let's let me here's a bunch of different names you would recognize as companies that are now using google cloud services um we're going to get uh, bruce porat the uh, chief financial officer got into more details about that um he called by the way just just uh to to give you a quick break here andy i do want to say that this is every call when you work in Silicon Valley, this is what every meeting is like with more than three people. They get in and they have a PowerPoint presentation, or I guess in this case, Google Slides, and they're going through all the wonderful things that have happened because you have to put it together like a sandwich. And this is just the first first piece of yeah. bread, the first piece of Dutch crunch. Yeah, and and obviously it's all it's all going to be self serving, but it it is interesting mm-hmm. to see. Here is what we want to when we want you to think about how successful our company is. Here is what we want you to think about. So yeah, if you focus on clouds, interesting. Well, you still have to pitch to your own investors, right? Exactly. I mean, you're this you're is, still pitching to them, number, right? Yeah, you're telling them you're pitching to them why they should continue to give you money. It's Shark Tank, but for journalists <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Only they're pitching a trillion dollar company instead of a really crappy kind of sponge that works about as well as every other sponge that's ever been made. Okay. But they, okay. Have, a, they, have, a, they have a cute me. rap that they brought in their three-year-old daughter to make about it. Excuse me. What? What is it? Are you talking about uh, the Mr. Smiley scrubbing brush? Because that thing is great. I'm, anyway, scrub I'm ta- daddy. I'm, I'm just saying that the, 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 I watched, the, I watched the, the, the British version of it where it's very much you have – if you came out dressed in costume and say, "Hi, I'm Mr. Sponge. I'm uh, oh, I'm Mr. Pan, and I hate Mr. Sponge because he gets the grease off of me," they would all just like throw their chairs at him is... because it's like, okay, but what were your what were your actuals versus deliverables on this quarter? Uh, we don't have that. So you're spending most of your time writing that little song and making the costumes rather than wrapping up your business plan for presentation. When you okay, it's fine. Uh, but so yeah, no the, costumes here, folks. <laughs> this exactly. was a telephone call. Um, next up was <laughs> Phil Sh- Phil Schindler, the chief business officer. Uh, he was talking about search, YouTube, and advertising. Uh, his chief points were that uh, ad industry, of course, took a big hit after COVID, uh, but it they've uh, managed to rebound from that uh, as advertisers they found are now unlocking the budgets that they locked in response to the pandemic. Uh, the biggest ad contributors. The chests of the budgets, the big, gross, rusty key just going in and turning, and they're just opening the chest, and it's just wee muddy flying out. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I'm, trying to, diving. I'm trying to put some visuals to this, Andy. I'm sorry. You're, no, no, you're, this is a theater of the air. You're building us, you're painting us a picture. Because otherwise, the stuff is just kind of. Water. Okay, it's, it, is, it is an analyst report, correct? It's tepid water. All right, continue. Yeah. Sorry, just, uh, just <laughs> insights into where their business is coming from. So the, they're getting, they're selling most of their ads to retail uh, and other industries like tech, media, and the only people business. who still had jobs during the <laughs> exactly the, the, peop, the people pandemic. that are making so much money in the pandemic that mm-hmm. entire nations are considering banding together to charge them a COVID tax. Uh, they it's, they're basically presenting. Uh, there's lots of. Be- beats here that made me think that they're sort of preparing a hey all that stuff that you guys and various governments are about to slam and regulate amazon to hell for we are not amazon we we grew the merchant community by 80 percent in this growth in small and medium businesses uh quote we don't care where a shopper ends up so long as they start with google so please don't say we have a monopoly over shopping we we are good for business not not bad for business i'm not really like when it comes to the whole shopping thing i don't know necessarily that i would like google it first 
wait a minute. I guess I would Google it first. Yeah. See, that's hold on. That's where the, You're that's right. where the opportunity is. Because yeah, I would only go to the website where I want I if I know I want something from Target, I would go to Target.com. If I know I want something from Amazon, I would go to Amazon.com. If I know I want something else that's not at those two major stores where I shop from, then I would go to Google to Google yeah. it to get the official website of the company. Oh my God. So that's what yeah, see, I'm, I'm I'm starting to retrain myself a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To usually, usually I start off at Amazon just to find out that oh, well, I just heard about this thing. I wonder how much it costs. I'm I'm not necessarily stopping that and switching to Google Shopping. I find myself doing that more often than I used to, chiefly because if you go on Amazon, I never know if okay, so is this the thing yeah. or is this the counterfeit version or is of the thing? The thing, yeah. You know, and and that's <sighs> the, the, I think the most the most useful part of using Google Shopping is just being informed. Here is here here is what this thing is generally going for, including like typical discounts versus okay. So if I'm looking for a watch and I found some place that's selling it for ninety three dollars, and you're telling me that it lists for 300 and it typically goes for as little as 230. I know that maybe I'm not going to want to trust that person with a $93 version mm-hmm. of the watch. So there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's service that they can provide there. Either way, they got to have uh, they got to have the we're not Amazon argument <laughs> queued up. And then how about that Google cloud, which I, my newsfeed was pinging with the Google Cloud stuff last week. And I'm just like, I have never seen this much Google Cloud headline in my newsfeed before. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's great because it was a new story where whether you liked Google or hated Google and wanted to see them suffer, either way, the headline would get you uh, Ruth Porat, the CFO. You know, you're talking about like sort of having to wade through a lot of like not very interesting detail. The chief financial officer there are a lot there are a lot of numbers that she cited that required me to when i was typing them into the notes you know those those like symbols where you have to hit two keys before you can get mm-hmm, access to it mm-hmm. that's the sort of financial data that she was mm-hmm. getting at so mm-hmm. uh but it was she was so she got to the details about google cloud uh, saying that she the, they had that google cloud had an operating loss of 1.2 billion dollars this quarter uh and that loss was a quote essentially flat uh versus last year Hey guys, so, is it the Stadia servers? Yeah. <laughs> okay, <keep> going. <laughs> so, so it looks so. It I'm looks amused like, with myself today in today's episode. Um. <laughs> anyway. So, so if you want to dig on, uh, dig on Google. Okay. Again, lost 1.2 billion dollars in that. However, That's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a, not. It's not a small amount of money. However, uh, that said. Like the Mall of America, like lost a lot of money while it was under construction before they could charge you like eighty dollars for a Cinnabon inside there, and that's kind of what's going on here. Uh, they've, uh, she said that uh, she that they've quote obviously been investing aggressively in quote uh, in Google Cloud based on the market opportunity, which not only includes infrastructure but also they've tripled the sales force working on it. Revenues that's but, where it is, you know, yeah. The, the, and the rate of growth is pretty hard to uh, sniff at uh, the f- revenues have doubled over the last two years from 5.8 billion in 2018 to 13.1 billion in 2020 Ooh, that's quite a sales team that's <laughs> again there's a, a lot of people who are upgrading from <laughs> upgrading from the leather seats to the leather seats with another layer of leather over mm-hmm, them mm-hmm, just to mm-hmm. be twice as much of a jerk about the about uh, living creatures uh, that's it's basically uh, three times as insufferable uh, in that sales force, I'm sure, since then. Um, there's also – now, this is something I had to really look up because, as I said, I am not a business reporter. I have to remind myself uh, – there are times where I recognize stuff, but I have to go back and look at it. They're also excited about the increase in backlog. And I'm thinking, but backlogs are bad. That means that you have – like you have orders for things that you can't fulfill. That means that – but What's no. What's the context? Uh, but in context, <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean we have more orders. We have the capacity to fulfill. In the context of uh, a service like this, it means that we are we have contracts for services that are done and like locked in. That But we haven't provided we, – we haven't fulfilled these Very contracts yet. And therefore, the money that we would be making on these don't appear on our current balance. Very interesting. 
Yep. So, so the the story, and plus the rate, uh, the so what the story they're telling is that yes, of course we lost all that money. However, we're making scads and we're building up this business is probably going to yeah. be a trillion dollar business in and of itself. And even as we're growing it, we're just we're we're uh, we're finding customer after customer after customer. So we're continuing to throw more money at this because uh, we're going to be getting more money back. Um, And just to make a side note, I know that a lot of this is just extremely inside baseball, which it absolutely is. And I got to tell you, it's hard even us as journalists to cover it sometimes because it's just so dry. Right. You know, and if you're not a business reporter and sort of used to parsing the information, it can be really um, be really difficult to trudge through. That being said, this is a great way to sort of look at like what is on the horizon for the consumers. And so I'm trying to wrap my brain around where all this Google Cloud investing is going to really pay off for me, the person who gives Google money and data actively. Uh, That, I think, is the real... That is the thing I think I really need to look into, including what falls under the Google Cloud umbrella. Yeah, there's a... I I said before that uh, they... Uh, they gave a quick shout out, yo yo yo, to uh, to the uh, Fitbit uh, people who are right. coming and joining the company. True, uh, that needs in- a cloud. <laughs> interesting that they also mentioned that Fitbit results in coming quarters will be reported under the category of other bets. So apparently, they're not going to be breaking. They're not going to be in another schedule. They're just going to be sort of lumped in. Um, speaking of other bets, again, that was the. Good job. We're putting your your drawing right on the fridge. We're so proud of you. Sort of division. Uh, they made six hundred and fifty seven million dollars in revenue, largely from Google Fiber and their health offshoot Verily, with an overall operating loss of four point five billion dollars in twenty twenty. Okay, well, you know, so for when Verily, some lose four point five billion of some. I would be really curious like where that came from. Is that from is that from like the COVID tests? Did Rite Aid and CVS and everybody pay them for those tests? They were free, which made me think I was I, I don't know. Again, I they have do, to look into I, these that but. might that might be through uh uh admin and software services they provide to the health uh, health community. Um they I don't think they broke that out at all. But once again, they wave this off, not quite so convincingly as they wave off the last the losses for Google Cloud. They, there's always the parenthetical, well, this is other bets is stuff that we're sort of investing in as long term stuff. Right. And they've and Ruth Parat has since she took over as CFO a few years ago, has been notorious for saying the, t- the clock is ticking. You can you can have fun on this on the uh, in, in the on the uh, on the equatorial veldt putting balloons in the air and putting magic internet in the on the horizon. However, the clock is ticking for you to turn this into a money-making business. So you're not going to get this. This is not this is not a semi-retirement thing for someone who is no long no who has not who's has not learned how to uh, do object-oriented programming, had refuses to mm-hmm. do anything more modern than Fortran, but is too beloved by the company to fire, so we give you this project you can mess around with for 10 years without producing any results. That's not happening anymore. That's not happening. Yes. Um, but besides that, they are actually slowing their pace of investment or they did slow their pace of investment last year because of COVID. Um, but of course, with everything you're reading, Andy, it just sounds like next year, there's uh, this year again is going to be, I mean, it just sounds like they're ramping up and, and yeah. business as usual, which, which gives me whiplash as a human being, but that's, that's a conversation again yep. for another time. And uh, we'll wrap up with just a few pieces of trivia that came out of the Q and a, um, YouTube, it turns out reaches, they, now this is, this is, this was definitely on one of Phil's little desktop index cards, right? Because he mentioned this twice in response to two different questions that YouTube re- reaches more 18 to 49 year olds than all linear TV networks combined. Yeah. That's so wild. He was, he was going to work that into conversation just like someone who's just bought a new Jaguar will mention that they just bought a new Jaguar, mm-hmm. but he's not there to talk about his car. He's talking about how well uh, Alphabet is doing. Also that YouTube paid the music industry over $3 billion in 2019. Uh, again, mostly in like 30 cent payments to people whose tracks got <laughs> played 300,000 times, but it's not nothing. I'm getting you, mm-hmm. you could, you could run Google cloud at a loss for almost three years 
on what they've paid the music industry. So that gives you some appreciation yeah. for how much yeah. money that is. It's true. Um, uh, now there was one. Th- there was a question not asked. Remember that every single Q and A, it wasn't people like us. It was analysts from investment institutions. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to ask questions about, hey, what do you th- uh, what do you think is going to happen with regulation next year? Even though that might have been something that they would have ca- could have cared to address if they wanted to say, here is what threats that we're facing in the next coming year that might affect how well uh, our company is going to be doing uh, in financial year of uh, 2021. Um, But there was one question that kind of turned into a question regarding uh, the shift in society towards more privacy and how that's going to affect advertising. Uh, Phil Schindler didn't answer it directly, uh, but they did acknowledge that expectations about privacy are changing and that people are demanding greater privacy with the subtext being that, of course, Google is going to have to respond to that and adapt to that. Mostly, though, he talked about how Google is supporting uh, and developing open standards for uh, uh, for uh, to re- replace the idea of having uh, individual website uh, cookies on uh, mm. uh, on people's computers. He talked about uh, Google's contributions to uh, things like the privacy sandbox, which they he referred to as mm-hmm. quote the best past path forward for this. And a new thing that they're calling the Federated Learning of Cohorts API. These are kind of controversial in that on a technological level, they're very interesting because they replace this sort of anything goes, drop a cookie, read a cookie system with something that's a little bit more controlled and easier to track and gatekeep. On the other hand, very credibly, people are complaining that, well, the company that's most well and that would be most uh, dished by uh, tighter, con- real tight controls on user privacy as they access the internet, they wouldn't be able to make money on ads if it were not po- if it were technologically impossible for people to have as much control over their privacy on the online as they want to. Why are we going to trust that a solution that Google comes up with is going to uh, suit the purposes that uh, consumers are looking for? So six and one half dozen the, the other is going to be a lot of discussion about this. Unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about that further, but eh, it's worth mentioning. Now, the biggest disappointment, now, uh, that th- I, I wish that I could like slip 20 bucks to one of these financial advisors. I mean, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. No one asked uh, any of these executives to say on the record whether they could commit to a ship date for that uh, new tool for Google Photos that removes chain link fences between the camera and the subject. Now, this was demonstrated publicly at Google I.O. on May 17th, 2017, has not been heard of since. It must be one hell of a great I thought it was 2016. Feature. 2016? I could be wrong. I did I did look this up. I, uh, the video that I saw was 2017. Maybe it was a repeat. Maybe they were already getting on the defensive. Yeah, about- I remember it was the first Google I.O. at Mountain View oh. where they, when they did that. Um Anyway, well, anyway, but, that's a lot of money still, being that, shuffled that, that around. Would, that would make it even worse. I think. I yeah. think the pressure will be on that every time, like even when like Sundar Pichai or like the project head for Google Google Photos, when they you know when they go, when they they pick up a takeout pizza, I think that they should say, oh, uh, pick up for number a Sundar Pichai large uh, large bacon and cheddar, and where the hell is there is the chain link fence removal tool. They should just get used to that. Not with, not with any anger. Just realize that we haven't forgotten about it. We haven't lost interest in it. We're not going to be mad with them about them, but maybe they just think that we haven't mentioned it because we don't care. We do care. We do care. Uh, as a matter of fact, we should probably take a quick break because I need to compose myself before we can get into the next chunk of our okay. podcast. Please, compose away. Concerto or symphony, it's all up to you. Well, we have a whole basket of changes, uh, assuming that basket can hold exactly three things, but still they make baskets in that capacity. (laughs) Uh, XDA developers got a hold of some screenshots from what they refer to as, quote, an alleged early draft of a document that Google made to summarize upcoming changes in Android 12, which had leaked online. So they haven't seen the document itself, but they've seen uh, the screenshots. They've also seen enough of the context that they believe that the document is real and that the screenshots came from that document. Uh, this is, and also this is about the right time where, where we're sort of expecting to start to see leaks about right. Android 12 because we're only about a month or so away before uh, Google would be expected to start 
uh, showing off code to developers. So there's probably a lot of material that's been floating around that hasn't been released yet. Uh, so this isn't this isn't is exactly the, uh, the 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 movie trailer for Android 12, but a couple of interesting tidbits. Uh, new the screenshots mostly show off a new user interface for the notification panel with uh, larger icons and fewer of them. There are new. Uh, in terms of a new sort of like system-wide features and policy, there's definitely signs that they're taking privacy up a notch. There are new system-wide privacy indicators in the top right corner of the screen uh, and in the notifications panel uh, so that you can see representing the camera, things like the camera mic, location, uh, the uh, microphone. And if you see them, that means that some app somewhere is using them. You can tap to find out which one it is. That that kind of hooks up with rumors that Google is going to respond to Apple's uh, big move forward in iOS this month by increasing mm. similarly awareness of user tracking within apps. Uh, they could be in much bigger trouble if, they, if whatever they come up with requires that their own apps to follow the same rules. So we're going to be really keen to see what they pull out of here. The other thing that seemed to be notable from the from these screenshots is not a rethink or reinvention of widgets, but at least a, what seems to be a way of freshening them up. Widgets mm, used to be a refresh. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it, it's new new recipe. Um, widgets used to be the one of the few things that was sort of like an Android uh, emblematic sort of feature mm-hmm. that, that's not available on iOS. Uh, iOS famously just got uh, their own widgets this year. So we see a bunch of sample new widgets for this Android 12 that make them look a lot more modern, maybe looks a a lot more like uh, Apple's design aesthetic. Obviously, these are super preliminary, so they could change everywhere. Um, I can say is that the screenshot has widgets in them. They widgets look very Apple widgety. Uh, so, so there's going to be that. So not not enough to really come ac- come across of exactly how splendiferous Android Android 12 is going to be. But at least if you've got hopes that Android is going to have more features for privacy and security, good indication that they are moving forward on that. I do have to say, I have to. We talked about the new sort of Android UI last night, all about Android, and something that stuck with me is. Uh, somebody pointed out today on Twitter that I referred to the new UI that they were showing in those screenshots as sort of like blush and soft and approachable. And um, I thought it was a very interesting thing to point out just how I have interpreted this this look of the UI, there are a lot of people who are like, oh my gosh, I hope this this is not the color schematic. I hope this is just like one of the themes. It definitely does look like an iOS-y sort of widgety layout kind of situation that's going on right now. Um, but but I want to just again reiterate that I do think this, whatever this screenshot array is, whatever is going on here is so approachable and it so fits in with the idea of how I how I see the pixel moving forward. So I think we're going to get a lot more pastels, a lot more of this softness. Because um, anyway, this is like in the general design world. Like this is what is in style right now is this, yeah. you know, this, this pillowy like embrace of just this color scheme that is very, you know, in the middle. Um, and I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Yeah, there there have been a lot of rumors about uh, Android 12 about how it's going to be much more themable than previous editions. The the question on my mind has been: Do they mean so that um, all the third party phone makers, instead of trying to come up with their own launcher and their own UI, they could just simply create a simple theme that goes on top of it? No. Or are they talking about individual users being able to have their no. Babylon Five? Uh, themed. This is yeah. It'll be Babylon Five theme that you that you uh, use some apps to sort of tool around with, and then Google will let you change the color scheme so it matches that really cool wall- wallpaper that you got commissioned. <laughs> you know, like that sort of thing. And I think this is going to be a Pixel exclusive again. I think Google's going to try to this this kind of an off the cuff thought that i just had but i think they're going to try and and pull a little away from that like developery notion and and try to be more softer to be more approachable to the general public to be uh to be sort of in antithesis but also 
a partner in the lineup next to, you know, a Samsung phone or whatever have you. Um, I like it. <laughs> it's 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 cool. There's nothing I hate so far. However, I'm very well practiced at finding things to hate about all the technology that I'm presented with. It's kind of my it's kind of my my, my skill set. Um, but the other actually the other thing we want to talk about is kind of cool. Now uh, remember that one of the one of the highlights, uh, like the signature things about the Pixel line, has been hey we're not just giving you like the, the features that are in your Pixel phone aren't just the features that you get when you when they're unboxed. Mm-hmm. We do feature drops several times a year, and they'll actually have major new features like being able to call. A, all, all of a sudden, your phone can screen calls. Hey, that's wonderful. And uh, the next feature drop is coming up in March. Uh, and Google has put out a blog post explaining probably the most radical feature drop yet, because this is kind of like almost like new hardware features. Uh, so what they're doing is that if you have a Pixel phone, it will soon have a respiration monitor and mm-hmm. a heart rate monitor using the cameras on the front and on the back. So it's uh, this is going to be part of a new uh, mobile vitals tool set that's accessible through the Google Fit app. And again, we'll probably be rolling out in about a month. So the respirate, and they both work in a very, something that any, almost any developer you think could actually do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference is that I think only Google could do it and then test it enough to satisfy regulators that yes, we can now call this a heart rate monitor and a respiratory monitor. Mm, so right. the respiratory monitor uh, works in a really, really simple way. It works through the selfie cam. So you just prop up your phone on on the table and that shows you sort of like an outline of, so uh, of a wild. figure and you sort of line yourself up so, so that wild. your upper chest and your torso are in the like where the camera wants it to be. And then it simply watches you breathe. And so it'll give you, it'll be able to take a a reading on what your respiration rate is. Uh, okay, that's simple. I I could have come up with that. The what I probably couldn't have uh, come up with is the heart rate monitor. Uh, it actually works kind of the same way in terms of using it, the same way that Samsung phones used to uh, when that was when they're like. Let's yes, launch something that was cool. the meme. Yeah, let, let's let's have something we can really demo at launch that we'll forget about later on. So all you do, you activate it, and then you hold your finger over the rear-facing camera, the, the the good camera, and it detects changes in color uh, to detect a pulse rate. Uh, according to the Google blog, uh, we developed both features and completed initial clinical studies to validate them, so they work in a variety of real-world situations and for as many people as possible. For example, since our heart rate algorithm relies on approximating blood flow from color changes in someone's fingertip, it has to account for factors such as lighting, skin tone, age, and more in order to work for everyone. And I think this is really pretty cool because mm-hmm. we often know, I, I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of people who kind of like, oh, great, that's really convenient. That's much better than having an Apple Watch. Nice going, Google. And uh, the thing is... Uh, and even $100 fitness monitors have heart rate monitors and pretty sophisticated stuff. But the thing is, not everybody – people. there are a lot of people who can barely afford uh, a phone yeah. that can run Android, yeah. uh, let alone an extra $100 gadget for doing that stuff. And if this brings the idea of data collection, not not constant data collection of someone who's running and is trying to – they're training, they they, they got to stay 18 minutes in the zone, and then they got to take some goo. And then after they take the goo, they really want to go 120% out of zone because they're blah 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 uh, there are a lot of people that are like i've it would be very very useful if like every time that i put down my phone to charge i simply take a couple of readings and see if over the course of days weeks and months uh, there's data that's actually valuable and it's great that these are being made accessible to people who yep. again not necessarily are in the market for a 200 dollar apple watch Yep. Or something separately that does these things. And, you know, I found that the best way for me to go to the doctor with the way that the healthcare system is now, at least here in the U.S., is to go with plenty of data that you can collect yourself, whether that's a food journal, whether that's like a mood journal. And these things as well, you know, you don't have a smartwatch, but maybe you want to get like a rough wheelhouse of what's going on. This is a great idea. Uh, And it makes sense that it would come out of Google's wheelhouse. Again, this is not for this is not for the bourgeoisie. This is for the folks who just <laughs> or maybe somebody who is doesn't want to doesn't want to buy those extra things. Right. right? You don't have to always do that. Uh, it's, and and, it's and a lot of these helpful. things is a lot of these things is um you're feeling very very odd, so you kind of want to take some readings so that not necessarily that it will tell you what's going on, but exactly. so that if you have an appointment in a couple of weeks anyway, 
You can say, I just was feeling very, very nervous, and I did a heart rate reading with my phone, exactly. and it says I was 121, which is double what my normal resting heart rate is. That's uh, that's useful. I've been, uh, for the past, since anticipating the uh, a house guest uh, who's mm-hmm. now was going to be, instead of coming last month, is now probably going to be coming in March. So I started doing something I probably should have been doing all along anyway, which is just taking my temperature like a couple of times a day. I have I actually have a digital thermometer at my desk. I have another digital thermometer on my nightstand. And it's not like if there's a scheduled time that I do it, but at some point during the day when I'm at the desk, I'll be like You'll look at it. Yeah. I'll look and at it go, and say, oh, oh, I'm doing nothing now. I'll do that. It takes 30 seconds. And so I know like and so if my temper if I'm feeling fine but my temperature is going up, I would know that. This is the sort of stuff that's really, really useful when you have access to this sort of data, when you know what mm-hmm. your normal is. The significance mm-hmm, of the abnormal, mm-hmm. especially being able to present your doctor with that, is mm-hmm. you. He might only get seventeen minutes with the actual doctor when you have an appointment. If you can say, I've, "I was I was feeling kind of weird last week," is one thing. I was kind of feeling I was feeling kind of weird last week. So weird that I took a reading and my heart rate was up to one hundred forty for no reason that I can adequately explain. <sighs> well, well we're, almost, let's... We're, we're almost done, but I, yeah. I'd like to kick off uh, if I can very briefly. Uh, what might become a recurring feature. We we, uh, we talked about last week about how we are rehabbing uh, the support materials for the Yay! site. We haven't, we haven't been accessing our email in quite a while. And uh, so we're starting with email. <laughs> we're starting We're starting with email. Eventually, we're, we're Twitter trying... will follow suit. I, I need to do a little bit of housekeeping there. Um, we're all, yes. We're, we're all, we're all again, going that the, it's like, it's like that basement that could be an awesome rec room and guest room, but we just like put boxes and uh-huh, crap down there. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah, now yeah, we're realizing yeah, yeah. that, gee, if we just put a little time, we could have that awesome uh, mm-hmm. office and rec room uh, and 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 guest room. So that's, that's what we're doing. We, we want you to guys to have the rec room. We, we mm-hmm. want you to come down, play bumper pool and have popcorn anytime, any Friday night exactly. or Saturday night you want. So uh, we've been going through <laughs> old emails. So we will hopefully go through like all of the old emails from the past couple of years. Uh, our first one in the high latency viewer mail uh, department is actually now we're responding to this less than two months after it came in. It's from January 5th, 2021. It's from Kyle Milkey. Hello, Kyle. Uh, I'm going to read the email. Hello, Material Pod. Just a quick tech life pro tip I discovered and wanted to share. I was noodling around on my Pixel 4 and found that if you hold the second tap of a double tap to zoom, like on photos or web pages, you can move your finger back and forth to adjust the zoom level. Mm, This is a game changer for one-handed use for me. So I just wanted to share since it's not very intuitive to find yeah you're right i didn't i did not yeah, know about i that had either. no idea yeah. that's really helpful especially if you're like trying to you know use your phone one hand yeah exactly, exactly what you he can't said pinch yes. and zoom I, my, my fingers don't go that way I'm not, I'm not like cirque de soleil with my hands i can't i'm not that flexible with my fingers well so, if you're on transit or whatever you just have one hand and you're trying to or maybe one hand in your pocket because you're trying to keep it warm exactly you know and you're just scrolling through instagram and maybe you want to zoom in on somebody or something that's how you would do that that's so I like that. That's good to know. Thank you so much for writing in, Kyle. Yes, um, thank you very much. And ha- anybody had we else? Been keeping up, had we been keeping up with email, we would have known that two months earlier. So more incentive mm-hmm. for us to keep up with email. But hey, you're wondering, how can we email you? Yes. Well, go Not to relay.fm slash material and you can actually send us email that we will now will definitely read. Uh, when you go to relay.fm slash material, you can also see our show notes. You also have an opportunity to sign up for memberships that will put a little extra money in our pockets every single month. We'll be, give you access to uh, special content we've made just for members and also the special membership content provided by all the relay.fm shows because you are helping all of relay.fm. I sometimes find myself uh, when I see a really great piece of software or really great whatever my first reaction is, gee, I really just want to put money in a box and mail it to this person. This is I enjoy this so much. <laughs> if you've ever had that impulse, it's not physically money in a box, uh, but we, we will be getting money through electrons landing in an account that we can then turn into money and then put in a box if we wanted to use it that way. Uh, that's gonna. I think that's going to do it for this mm-hmm. week. Don't you agree? Yeah. What are you up to this week, Andy? You got, Wait, you're supposed to ask me that first. Yes. <laughs> 
No, we, you know, we don't. Well, we I don't, really want to know we what don't you're have up to, to. We don't have to stand on ceremony. <laughs> uh, I'm actually, I actually have uh, normally on Fridays. I've got my like 20 minutes to half hour high tech Heidi Ho on uh, mm-hmm. Boston's NPR station. Uh, we are off this week, however, because every time that uh, Trump is the defendant in a court case. Uh, I get bumped. Right. Uh, this is the second time, at least, that that's happened. This is the second time he's being impeached. I look forward to being bumped on that basis many times over the next God two or three years. Uh, so, but normally you just go to wgbhnews.org uh, and uh, do a search for my name, and usually you can see. Actually, even now you can see past uh, past shows. Uh, you can also go to Anatko on Twitter, Anatko on Instagram to see what I've got going on in those places. But how about you, Florence Ion? Uh, well, you know, I'm working and then raising a apparently one year old who is one year old this weekend. So that's that's wow. We're here. Uh, but if you're interested in other work that I've done, you can go to my website, florenceion.com for links and things. Or you can go to uh, Twit on Tuesday nights. That's where I do all about Android. Um you can find me on social media at Oh That Flow. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I am on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. Uh, I hope You're everybody like has wind. a good, huh? <laughs> You're like the wind. Well, my t- my TikTok has mostly become like here's a macro shot of me playing with my toys. But <laughs> you know what? It makes me happy. So if that's something that's interest you and you think you might be happy from that, from my happiness, you can go to TikTok. But I until then, Andy, I think we might be done for this week, and that I think we're done. It's just next week from here. Yes. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening to us this week. We hope you listen to us again next week. Until then, be safe, be healthy, be happy, be grateful. And thanks for everything. Bye-bye. Bye.